5. 1 John 5, and we're going to start here in verse 3. And we started a new series last week called Passion or Pressure. Passion or Pressure. So we're going to start in 1 John 5, in verse 3. In 1 John 5, in verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Notice that, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not a burden. They're not hard. Let's look up Matthew 11. Matthew 11, and we're going to read in verse 28. Now, you guys are going to be responsive today, right? I know you're turning to the scripture, but we're going to be responsive today. Preach part two of passion or pressure. Matthew 11, in verse 28. Very familiar verse to a lot of us in here. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice that for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So today we want to preach part two of passion or pressure, passion or pressure. And this series came from actually a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It came from a long time ago, uh, probably about 10 years ago at the quarry. Um, we preached this message called passion or pressure. And a lot of the, uh, the young adults that are on the platform today and that are helping out today were... Um, in the Corey group during that period of time. And they said that it really changed the way that they thought about life. They thought about God. They thought about uh, church. They thought about their relationship with other people. And so that's why I felt like it would be good to share with you guys. And I haven't preached on this in a long time. I've, I've mentioned things before. But we talked about passion and pressure last week. We're going to talk a little bit about what we shared last week. But then add some new stuff today. And passion or pressure, we're talking about the beginning of this, we want you to answer the question, not out loud, hopefully not out loud, to reveal yourself, but what word would describe your relationship with God? Passion or pressure? What word would describe you coming to church? Passion or pressure? What word would describe you working in the ministry of helps, are you giving your tithes and offerings, or are you serving other people, would it be passion or pressure? And let me tell you something, people know whether it's passion or pressure, even if you think they don't know. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of who you really are, it's going to come out eventually. And a lot of people live by the wrong thing. They live by pressure and not passion. And that's not what God designed us to live like. That's not the way that God designed us to be as his followers, to live under this pressure or duty to do something for him. No, he wanted us to live by passion. Now, it's possible, and for you in here that are not as expressive as me and not as vocal as other people, that is still not an excuse to live by pressure instead of passion. You can say, well, I'm just made up this way. I'm more serious. I'm more uh, subdued. I'm not really a passionate person. First of all, that's a lie. You're lying. For starters, you're lying. Um, but secondly, God said that you could live by passion instead of pressure, and he died so you could live this way. You could live in a way that, not that you have to do things for God, but you get to do, and more importantly, you want to do it. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out here on a limb, but I don't think Jesus died and went through all of that so he could have a church that has to pray, that has to read their Bible, that has to come to church, that has to love other people, that has to work in ministry helps, that has to give their money, that has to do these things. That's not what Jesus died for. He didn't die for a have to. He died to give you a want to. And if you're living by a have to, you're living far beneath what Jesus provided. 
And a lot of times it goes back to misunderstanding about the Bible and God that people go down this path and they end up in this place of pressure. It's not God's fault. It's really more religious people and other ideas that have got in and traditions that make people think a certain way about God that's not even true. That make people think a certain way about church or their salvation that's not even true. So let me read the definitions real quick. So which one of these words would best describe your relationship with God? Passion or pressure? Let me read what passion means. Passion is an intense desire and enthusiasm for something. Notice that an intense desire and enthusiasm for something. An eager zeal or fervor for something or someone. Now that's passion. Now pressure, what, this is what pressure is. Pressure is to make to do something. To force, to arm twist. Notice the last definition of pressure is a stressful urgency of achieving something. Most Christians live there their whole Christian life. A stressful urgency of achieving something when in reality, Jesus already achieved everything that you need to ever achieve. And so, notice just that one comment right there. Some people go to church their whole life and never even hear that. It's not about achieving. It's about receiving. I'm rapping on Sunday morning. Somebody (laughs) drop a beat. It's the truth. It's not about achieving. The Christian life is about receiving. Because the truth is that you can't achieve anything from God. You're not good enough. You never will be. You're not perfect enough. And God's not expecting you to be that way. And he knew you wouldn't be that way. That's why he sent his son who is perfect and who is good enough to come and take our place and to stand in our position so he could achieve all those things for us. And all we have to do now as believers is not achieve, it's just receive. That one thing right there, that is why people live in pressure instead of passion. Because they're over here trying to achieve something that's already achieved. It's already finished. We just sang about it. It's already done. Jesus already did it. Instead of over here with passion, because you're just receiving what Jesus has already done. So passion or pressure. Now I know that we go to a faith church and this has been a faith church since the beginning. And... The thing about this is faith people, a lot of times, don't show their feelings, which is good. But a lot of times, people have been saying it was faith, but pretty much they've been faking it for years. Because they never want to do anything for God. They never feel like, I'm not saying you're going to have warm and fuzzies every time you do something for God. But I'm saying if your whole Christian life is, I have to go to church. I have to be in the will of God. I have to read my Bible. I have to pray. Something's wrong. You need to at least get a warm and fuzzy at least once a week or something. And I know there's going to be times that you're going to have to be in faith when you don't feel it. But that shouldn't be your whole Christian life. That you have to. No, he wants to put a desire in you that you want to. And he can. And some of you have experienced that. And maybe some of you haven't experienced that. But he can put not just, we read this last week in Philippians 2 and 13. It says, God in you working, creating in you. Notice, in you, in you, in you. This is not external. It's in you. It's in your heart. And it says that God is in you, creating in you the desire and the power to do his will. I'm talking about everything that God has ever asked you to do, whether that's written in the word of God or he spoke a word to you for anything that God has ever asked you to do. He's not asking you to do it by yourself on your own and in your own strength. He says, I'm going to give you the desire and the power to do my will. I'm in the introductory of this message, and I feel better than you're responding this morning. But notice, he'll give you the desire and the power to do it. Not just one or the other. There's a lot of Christian people that live in one side or the other. I would say the more 
non-spirit-filled churches are over here that are like, well, I want to do something for God, but I ain't got no power to live. I got a desire. And a lot of people over here in the spirit-filled churches, we got the power. Ha! We got the power. But do you want to do it? It's not either or. God said, I'll give you the desire and the power to do my will. Everything that he's spoken to you, everything that's written in the Bible, even the hard stuff that you say, well, I can't do that. Yeah, you can't do that. But him in you can do that because he'll give you the desire and power to do his will. Same book of the Bible, Philippians. Refrigerator scripture. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things. Notice, not you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength to do it. And that's where we can live in a place of passion and not pressure. Now, let's uh, look at a scripture in Ezekiel. We're going to the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36. Here it is up here. Bam. Good job, Cone. Thank you, sir. Ezekiel 36 in the New Living Translation. Now, before we read this, I want to say, last week we read some verses from the Old Testament that talked about the day and age that we live in today. And this is another one of those verses. Ezekiel was prophesying about the day that we would live where God would do something in our hearts. He would give us a new heart. He'd give us a new spirit. Last week we read that scripture where it says, in this new covenant, which we live in today, I'm not going to lead you by the hand. I'm going to lead you by the heart. It's different. By the hand is I have to. By the heart is I want to. But notice what it says. Ezekiel 36, 26. New living. It says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And give you a tender, responsive heart. Passion. Notice a stony, stubborn heart is a pressure heart. But a passionate heart, notice he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take out the stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you, in you, so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey all my regulations. But notice, he realizes, unless I give you a new heart and put my spirit within you, you will never be able to obey the commandments of God. You will never be able to do what God has called you to do. And he knows that. And that's why he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. He's prophesying about the day and age we live in. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. That's desire. Notice, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. That's where we are today. A tender, responsive heart. A tender, responsive heart is I want to do it. Not I have to do it. I want to do it. But notice he says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. New heart, new spirit. New heart, new spirit. We could say new spirit. We could say new attitude. Because... God can change your desires. Did you know that? You can't change your desires, but God can change your desires. The truth of it is this. When you get saved, God takes out your old, stony, stubborn heart and gives you a new heart that's tender to God. And that's why we could all say 100%, when you first get saved, Nobody has to tell you to worship. You worship. Isn't that right? Nobody has to tell you to give. You're just like, oh my gosh, I need to give something. I feel bad if I'm not giving. Let me find something. Let me find a coin. Let me find a dollar. Let me find anything. Why? Because you got a new heart with a new spirit and you got new desires to go with it. Nobody has to tell you to serve. Nobody has to tell you to come to church when you first get saved. But what happens after a period of time? 
your attitude starts to change. And it goes from a responsive, tender, passionate heart to a stony, stubborn, pressure-filled heart. But notice it comes from the wrong perspective, the wrong thoughts about God, the wrong perspective on the Bible. And you get into this place of, well, I got to do it. I don't want to do it. But I'm going to do it. I just don't want to do it. That's not what God wants. That's not what God died to give us. A lot of people live there. I know religion reinforces that. If people only hear religion preached, then eventually they're going to be in a place just like the Pharisees and Sadducees in the New Testament where they knew more Bible than anybody, but they were the most cold, stubborn, hard-hearted people around. And they knew more scriptures than everybody else. Why? Because they live by pressure and not passion. They live by pressure and not passion. Are you getting something this morning? He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. A new heart and a new spirit. And I'll give you new desires. When you get saved, you get new desires. Now, like we said, after a while, your desires can start to change because you're giving them to other things. But that doesn't mean that deep down those desires are still not in you. And I would encourage you today, stir up those old desires because they're still in you. They didn't go anywhere. I mean, you feel like, well, I don't, I don't even feel like that anymore. I, I did a long time ago, but I don't feel like that anymore. It's still in there. The Holy Spirit's still in there. The desires of God are still in there. You've got to stir them up. There's a new spirit. There's a new heart within you. You have to do something about it. And he can give you new desires. It says he'll give you the desire and the power to do his will. He'll give you new desires. Can he do that? Yes, he can do that. I've just kind of, I've seen over the years, it's sad because you see so many people and it's like, you're doing this just because you have to do it. You're here because you have to be here. You're reading your Bible because you have to read your Bible. You're praying because you have to pray. You're doing all this, and you're missing the point of it all. You're missing it. It's not God. You're missing the point of all of this. How could people be in church a long time, and actually sometimes in a lot of churches, not just this church, but in a lot of churches, sometimes the older saints in the church are really the most grumpy and non-passionate of them all. All right. All right. What's up? I'm going to preach to you today. Isn't that the truth? It shouldn't be that way. Now, what happened? After a period of time, their relationship changed. And it used to be passion, but something along the line, it became pressure. I got to do this. I need to do this. Somebody's got to be upset with me if I don't. You go down that line. And sometimes people don't even say that, but they still live in a pressure-filled situation. You're living far beneath what God provided for you. God wants you to live in freedom. He died so we could live in freedom. He died so we could have a want to instead of a have to. He died so that we could wake up passionate to do something for God, not, I got to do something for God or somebody's going to get mad at me. This is hitting a little bit too close to home this morning. God died so we could live by passion and not pressure, and he can give you new desires. In the same way, God can take away old wrong desires, can't he? He can give you new desires. Gloria Copeland said this, whatever you give yourself to, your desires will follow. I just preached And I don't think you heard me. I'm going to say that one more time. Whatever we give ourselves to, our desires will follow. So the thing is, when we first get saved, all of our attention and time is given to God. So our desires follow. But then after a while, and we get busy with work, with school, with family, with hobbies, we start giving ourselves to other things. So our desires go there. And not to God. But we're still continuing our relationship with God. is still continuing to go to church. But our desires are over here. 
So then we start doing it out of pressure instead of passion. Are you here this morning? And so if God can take old desires away, and I know there's, there's several people in here that used to be drug addicts or addicted to all sorts of things. When you got saved, God, what did he do? He took out old desires from your heart and your life. If he can do that over here, why can't he give you new desires in the opposite direction? He can give you a new desire and power to do his will. He can give you, notice, a new heart and a new spirit and put it within you. So we live by passion instead of pressure. Now let's look over at Matthew eleven twenty eight. You guys still here this morning? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, and 30, and we'll read this in a moment. So, last week we mentioned this about the Bible. A lot of people read the Bible in the wrong way. That's why they live from a place of pressure. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a lot of different commands. There is up to 613 Old Testament laws and hundreds of other traditions that people followed. And so by the time that Jesus came on the scene, you could wonder, I mean, you could understand uh, why all of the people of Jesus' day that loved God legitimately were burned out, tired, fatigued, were burned out on religion because of all those laws. Because the truth of it is this, that God in the Old Testament, still true today, You need to see it from the right perspective. There's a reason why God tells you not to do certain things. It's not to keep you out of fun. It's not to restrict you. It's not to put you into bondage. It's because he's a good father, and he knows if you go down this path, it leads to destruction, so don't do it. A lot of Christian people read the Bible in the way, well, God's trying to restrict me. trying to keep me into bondage can't i can't do stuff other people do i can't have fun like everybody else no god is a good father and he knows where destruction is so he says don't go down this path it leads to destruction but a lot of christian people say you're restricting me god And then they end up in destruction. And then they come back to church. And then they say, Pastor, you were right. And then they repent and they get their life right. But then 10, 20 years of their life are gone. Because they said, I want to do it your way, God. All of the commandments of God are out of love, not restriction. And notice, when you see it in the wrong light, no wonder you live by pressure. You think God's trying to keep you out of something. He's trying to keep you for something better. That's why he says, no, don't do this. Don't go down this path. It's not good for you. It's not a right place you should go. Not because I'm trying to restrict you. I'm actually trying to bring you into more life and more freedom if you just listen to what I have to say. It's an interesting thing. Since God has always been around and you haven't, I think he knows better than we know. I remind the Corey Age group, just because your brain has been functioning for 16 years and we're serving a God who has always been here and knows everything about everything, I think he knows better than you. But that goes for the 32-year-olds and the 45-year-olds and the 77-year-olds and the 85-year-olds and the 105-year-olds. God still knows better than you. Okay, let me stay focused here. So anytime God says, don't do that, it's because it's out of love. And so we know the Ten Commandments, but there were 613 Old Testament laws that had to deal with everything that you could imagine. There was hundreds of traditions. But another thing about all those laws and all those traditions was this. God knew 
that his people couldn't do it without him. At the time that these laws were given, God's people were very prideful and stubborn. And God said, oh, you can do it without me? Go for it. It backfired on them. And the point of all these laws, more than anything, they are out of love. But the point of them are to bring you to the end of yourself to say, I can't do what God has called me to do without him. I know that's so simple, but so many people miss it. And God said, you can't do these things without me. You need a new heart and you need a new spirit. You need new desires. And God doesn't want you to do these things without him. I was reading this book and they were talking about how that if people just come into church and you just just tell them what they should do, and you never tell them about what Jesus has done, it will lead them to a place of frustration. Because you can't do what he's called you to do apart from him. You get in this order mixed up. And let's just be honest, a lot of churches, not just this church, a lot of churches, that's what they do. They come in and everybody's telling them from the front, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. And people are going out frustrated because they don't have a power or desire to do any of that. And beyond that, they can't do any of that apart from him goes back to this, and I mentioned this last week. People saying, I'm going to get my life right, and then I'm going to come back to church. It won't happen. I'm going to clean up my life, then I'm going to come to God. It won't happen. I'm going to stop doing all this, and then I'll get my life to God. It won't happen, because you can't do it apart from Him. You've got to humble yourself before God and come to Him. And notice, then He is the one who gives you the desire and the power to quit stuff to do different things, to change your life. But if you're trying to do it in your own strength, no wonder you're so frustrated. It doesn't work. You hear my heart this morning. So God gave all these laws, and and of course man added all these traditions. It was to bring them to the end of themselves and realize their need for God, that I can't do it without you. And... The religious people of their day added to this with all these traditions that were not in the Bible, but they were added because the Pharisees and the religious people of that day wanted to look better than other people that weren't doing those things. Whether that's dressing a certain way or talking a certain way. There's an interesting scripture, and um, I'm actually going to go to it real quick before we go to Matthew 11. Matthew 23 and 4. Do we have that? Yeah, you're on it. Man, you're on it. Matthew 23 and verse 4, it says, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. He's talking about the religious people of that day. He says, notice, they bind heavy burdens on people hard to bear. Religious people and religious teaching. And lay them on men's shoulders, but they, notice, they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. The thing about the religious people of that day is, they talked a big talk, but they didn't do anything they were talking about themselves. And beyond that, they didn't help anybody with the burdens that they had. They made it heavier. They made it more hard for people to get in a relationship with God by what they preached. Notice because they were preaching pressure. Pressure. You have to. You have to. God said, no, I came to give you passion. I want to. So notice this is in Matthew 23 and verse 4, but there's also another verse in Matthew. Matthew 11. Let's read this. Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28. And this is Jesus speaking. Now, notice the difference. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. That last verse said that these religious people, they would put heavy burdens or heavy loads on people. 
Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, the burdens of, of that day, you could think about somebody who's carrying this heavy load, this, this heavy um, backpack. You know, a lot of people that do backpacking in the mountains, sometimes those loads are 50, 60 pounds. That was kind of the picture of what people were carrying in the day that Jesus came, and still Christians in 2016, carrying a heavy load of I have to do this. I need to do this. God's not happy with me. I'm not performing. I'm not achieving enough. I'm not doing enough. And we're just talking about the spiritual side, not to mention all the other burdens of life that I need to make money. I need to survive. I need to have a new car. I need to get promoted. I need to take care of my family. That gets heavy after a while. And God said, I don't want you to live that way. And notice what his answer is. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You've got a heavy burden on your back. And I will give you rest. And we're not just talking about physical rest. That's part of it. But spiritual rest. Notice because if your soul's at rest, everything else will be at rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul's for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I need to explain some things to you about this verse. And it's kind of got a lot of different meanings all in this one verse that sometimes you wouldn't know about by just reading it in your Bible. He says that, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, he's not talking about he likes his eggs over easy. Not talking about eggs whatsoever in this passage here. Now he, he's talking about multiple things here. So this is one of the things that he's talking about. He's talking about when rabbis or teachers of that day, which Jesus was, their teachings were called a yoke. Now Jesus wasn't the only rabbi and teacher of his day. There was hundreds maybe thousands, but all of them were religious. And notice their yokes were not easy and they weren't light. They were heavy, burdensome, made people weary, fatigued, burned out. But Jesus comes and he teaches something completely different and he shows them, no, this is not the way of God. This is the way of God. This is what God has always wanted. And notice what he says that his yoke, take his yoke or his teachings, his way of doing things upon you. And when you do that, it's easy and it's light. Notice he didn't say religion because when you believe religion and you live religion, it's not easy or light. It's a burden and you're going to burn out. You're going to fatigue. And that's why we see people that, that just up and leave church out of nowhere. No answers. Now, what happens? They've been living a pressure-filled life all these years, and that burden is so heavy, eventually saying, forget it. Forget it. And notice they missed it because that wasn't God's heart all to begin with. That was religion. That was even preachers and teachers who preached things in a wrong way or a wrong slant that made you think something about God that wasn't true. And it says, he says, take my teachings or my way of doing things, which would be the word of God. And it will be light and it will be easy. So take my way of doing things. Now, here's something that's really interesting, too. You know, uh, in that day, of course, they were very agricultural people. They had animals. They had farms. They, um, they did all sorts of things like that. And if they were going to eat, then they needed some animals around to help them plow the fields. Now, he's speaking about a yoke pertaining to yoke of oxen. 
Now, oxen would plow the field so they could plant what they needed to plant. But notice he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. For my yoke is easy and my burden's light. Now, how could Jesus say that and be honest? How could he say that my teachings are easy and they're light? How could he say that? Well, I'll tell you how you could say that. Well, in that day, a lot of times most farmers would get a strong ox and a weak ox and put them together. So they wouldn't have to spend all the money to buy two strong ox. And they realized that they put two strong ox in there, then they probably wouldn't both go the same direction. So they would get two ox, one strong, one weak, so that they could plow the fields. In this relationship between us and Jesus, guess who the strong ox is? He's trying to say, get in my yoke with me, because I'm strong and you're weak. And we'll do this together. And it will be light and easy. Why? Because I'm the strong one. I'm carrying all the burden and all the weight of this. You just got to walk with me. Come on now. Are you here this morning? And he says, notice, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And it will be light and easy. How could he say that his teachings and his commandments and what he calls you to do is light and easy? Because he's the one in the yoke with you and he's the one who has all the weight on him and he is the strong one here. And so it can be light and easy because all you have to do is walk with him. And he's the one doing all the work. He's the one carrying all the heavy burdens, not you. Are you getting something this morning? And that's why he can say, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. Why? Because he is the one pulling the weight. He is the one doing it through us. And we are yoked up to Jesus in this life we live. That's why he can say his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Because he is the one carrying us. He is the one pulling us. He is the one carrying the weight, the load. He is the strong one here. All we have to do is get in there with him. Notice, take his yoke upon us and walk with him. And it will be light and easy. It will be light. and Not that you don't have to do anything, but you need to walk with him. But notice, he's carrying the weight of it. Ever heard somebody say, I just feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Then you need to get it off. That's why you are the way you are. Because it shouldn't be on your shoulders. It should be on his. Because he's the strong one. We are yoked up to God. And when he is doing the work, that's why he can say, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. That's why he can say, well, it's not pressure now, it's passion. Because he's the one pulling us along. He's the one doing the work. He's the one empowering us to do what God has called us to do. I wrote this down earlier. I was thinking about this. If life has gotten heavy, then maybe you are trying to carry it yourself. God never wants us to carry our life and our future in our own strength. If life has gotten heavy then maybe you're trying to carry it by yourself. I say a lot of us in here, we try to do that all the time. And that's why we say stuff like, man, I just feel like the weight of the world's on my shoulders. Man, I just feel so heavy, so bogged down, too much going on. Why? Because you're trying to carry it by yourself, and God doesn't want you to carry it by yourself. He said, get in this yoke with me. Get yoked up to the Savior of the world, and I'm going to carry this thing for you. And I'm the strong one here. I'm going to carry the heavy load. I'm going to carry the heavy burdens. You just need to walk with me. Live with me. Believe with me. Listen to what I've said. Live like this. But I'll give you the passion to do it. So if life has gotten heavy for us in here, then maybe we're trying to carry it by ourselves. Now, I'll be honest since you won't right now. It's true for me. We all know when we stress out, when we freak out, when we act like our world is falling apart and life is heavy, it's because we're thinking about us. It's up to us. We got to do it. We got to fix it. It's on our shoulders, but it's really not. 
when Jesus said, I'll carry it, and it can be light and easy. It's interesting to know that Jesus said that he was gentle and lowly in heart. Gentle and lowly in heart. He was humble. Now, the religious people of that day were not anything like that. They were harsh. They were mean. They were rude. (laughs) They weren't any fun to be around. And notice Jesus says, look at me. And Jesus is God in the flesh. This is the way God is. God isn't like these religious people that are mean and rude and harsh. He's not like that. He's like me, gentle and lowly in heart, humble in the way he carries himself. And that's the character of God. A lot of people have a wrong perspective of God. They think that God is mean and rude and harsh, unforgiving. When in reality, like Jesus came on the scene, he said, hey, 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 no, no, no. Gentle and lowly in heart, forgiving, loving, kind, long-suffering to say the least with all of humanity. And notice, just stuff like that will get into your mind and you can think wrong things about God that aren't true. And live by pressure instead of passion. You getting something this morning? So God wants us to live this life of light and easy. It's possible. A lot of people don't live here, but it's possible. God said it's possible. And I just told you how it can be because he is the strong one and he is carrying it. And you guys are walking together, doing this together. So his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Let's look back at 1 John 5 in verse 3. You guys here today? First John 5. In verse 3. 1 John 5 and verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. I love this. Another translation says that his commandments are not hard for us. His commandments are not hard for us. How can he say that they're not hard for us? Because Jesus is the one empowering you and giving you the desire to fulfill it. That's how he can say that. Jesus can say it because he's the one carrying the load with us. He's carrying the weight with us. He's empowering us and strengthening us to do what we're called to do and giving us the desire and power to do it. This is a quote that um, I think will help you today and a lot of people don't understand this, but it says the Christian life is not trying to strive to be something that you're not. It's about understanding who you already are. That's the reality of the good news of the gospel. The Christian life is not trying to strive to be something you're not. It's about understanding who you already are. And notice who did that. God did that. God made you that way. God made you righteous. God made you holy. God made you acceptable. God made you pleasing. God made you all those things. So now this Christian life is just about receiving and understanding who God already made us to be. Not trying to, I need to play this part and be fake because I'm trying to act like somebody I'm not. And just coming to church like, (laughs) God bless you. Okay, you're fake. Get out of here. Come on. God bless. God bless you, man. God bless you. Okay. I mean, if you don't talk like that in your real life, why talk like that here? That's what I'm just saying. But notice, and then people do that. They live lives and years like that at church. And it's like, is that what God wants you to be? You're just trying to be something you're not? Just faking it the rest of your life? No, God. He wants you to have a desire and power on the inside of you. And to understand, no, God already did this, and you're just understanding who you already are. This is an interesting verse, and we're going to read this verse and close with another one. Matthew 9 and verse 17. 
You guys can look up here. Notice it says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old wineskins would burst from the pressure. Spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. Now what in the world is Jesus talking about here? Talking about wine on a Sunday morning. This is what Jesus is talking about. You know, this is in the gospel, so he he talks a lot about parables and gives you uh, stories to explain. He's talking about this, what we've been talking about, passion or pressure. If you are an old wineskin or have an old heart or an old attitude, and God tries to pour something new into you, it won't work. And notice what will happen. For the old wineskins would burst from the pressure. Spilling the wine and ruining it. New wine is stored in new wineskins so they both are preserved. Now wine, he's not talking about literal wine. Wine is symbolic of the presence or the spirit of God here. And he's saying, I can't put new things in you if you still have an old pressure attitude. If you have a have-to attitude, I can't pour anything new in you. If you have an attitude that, notice old wineskins, what they get is dry and crusty and grumpy and pressure-filled, and I don't want to do it, and I don't want to be here, but I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. Well, God bless you and go home because nobody wants to be around somebody like that. Let me just ask you this. Okay, it's 1128. I got plenty of time, and I'm the pastor also. I could preach for 32 more minutes, technically, but I'm not. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Do you want a friend that wants to be with you or who has to be with you? Okay. How much more God? How much more God? Does he want people that, I guess I'll spend time with God if I have to. I guess I'll come to church once a week for two hours if I have to. Come on. I guess a big deal. Guess I'll worship God if I have to. If you don't like that, guess what? God doesn't like that. And he was saying, notice the people of that day, but still today in 2016, they were living with an old wineskin mentality. Hard-hearted. Pressure-filled. I got to do it. I have to do it. And he said, I can't come pour something new in you if you're going to have an old attitude, if you're going to have old desires, if you're going to have an old heart, if you're going to have a pressure-filled life. Why? Because when I do try to pour something new in you, it would burst from the pressure. So what is he going to do? I'm going to give you new wine with a new wineskin. Or we could say what Ezekiel says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit so I can put something new in you. Do you receive that? That's what God wants to do. So notice, you say, well, I want more of God. I want this newness. I want new desires. Well, you got to change your attitude first. Do you have an old church mentality? Do you have an old pressure-filled mentality? He cares about you enough. He's not going to give you something new because it will ruin you. God says you've got to have a new heart and a new spirit and new desires. Notice when you do that, I will pour new wine into the new wineskin. Now, we're not talking about literal wine. We're talking about wine is symbolic of the presence and the spirit of God. I'm going to pour something new in you that is refreshing for you. But notice you can't do that if you're an old wineskin. A lot of us in here have drifted. And you used to not be this way, but you've become an old wineskin. And you need to change your attitude. Because more than anybody, it's hurting you. It's hindering you. 
It's holding you back from this life that you were always meant to live. It's holding you back from the freedom that's in God. It's holding you back from the calling of God. It's holding you back from fulfilling the plan of God. It's holding you back from the passion that you could be living in every day of your life. I tell you, I'm 29 years old. There's no other place I want to be than church. You say, well, okay, you're the pastor. You got to be here. I don't have to be here. I don't. I have a truck. I don't have to be here. I can drive myself. I don't have to be here if I don't want to be here. But the point is this. I want to be at church. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to listen to worship music. I want to be around the people of God. I'm here seven days a week, every week of my life, not because I have to, because I want to. Nobody told me to be that way. I'm that way because why? I got a new spirit. I got a new heart, and he gave me new desires. And whatever you give yourself to, your desires will follow. So guess what? The older I've gotten, the more I want to be here. And nobody's twisting my arm, and I don't feel like I'm missing out on something because I didn't go to the club or the bar on Friday night. I don't get to do that because I'm in church. I don't feel that way. You know what I feel like? I feel sorry for the people that have to do that just so they can get through their week, so they can do something happy on a Friday or Saturday night to dull the pain that they're going through. Where are you at this morning? I don't feel like I'm missing out. They're missing out. But notice, you don't get that attitude by living by pressure. You don't get that mindset when somebody's forcing you to do it. Notice what happens. He'll give you a new heart, a new spirit. And he'll give you new desires and power to do his will. I'm not perfect. I never said I'm, I am, and my parents can attest to that. Definitely not close to perfect. But there's one thing that I have the right desires and heart for God. That's what's helped me. I made plenty of mistakes. I still do. But notice God says, I can work with you if you got the right heart and you got the right spirit. Even if you make mistakes, I'll work with you. I'll pour something new into you. And notice, even if you made mistakes before, I'll give you the desire and power to do my will. All right, last verse. I talked long enough today. But it was all good. I don't take any of it back. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. There we go. Okay, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 in the message. Now listen to this. This sums up this whole message so amazing. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Notice that. Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come on, did you get anything today? That's what Jesus says to you today.